And we're live. Really excited today to be joined by Robbie Nevins, who is the co-founder of Lamp Twist, someone we've also worked with. And we're going to discuss um, how he scaled his e-commerce store, some of the challenges logistically, which marketing channels have been working well, and also how he stumbled upon this niche. And we think of the modern e-commerce entrepreneur, everyone seems to want to do fashion, apparel, and things like that. But for Robbie, it was lamp. So Robbie, welcome. Why don't you give us a quick intro? into who you are, what your background is, and how you entered this niche. Yes. Hello, Adam. Thanks a lot for the invitation. Um, so yeah, together with my two co-founders, I started Lamp Twist like seven years ago, um, and we sell design lamps online on our webshop and also offline in our showroom here in Belgium. Um, the idea was actually born from a side project that I was do also doing together with my same co-founders. And we launched a platform for interior shops here in Belgium. And basically we try to generate a database of high-end furniture shops and we try to map them and uh, create a database of all nice furniture shops that we discovered. And people could use the platform uh, to find those nice shops around them and just as inspiration in general. Um, they could also use filters like uh, based on their style, modern, vintage, country style, and so on. Um, next to that, we also developed a feature where the shops itself could upload some of their items that they wanted to destock. Uh, of out of their current showroom. So basically we gave them uh, small webshop features on our uh, platform. Um, and we did that because we noticed that these nice shops, they had really amazing showrooms. So the physical presence was there, but yeah. the online presence wasn't really up to par. And uh, sometimes they were selling sofas of uh, 10,000 euro. But yeah. when you would visit the website, it was not fitting that style at all, or the, they didn't even have a website, you know? So we said, okay, let's develop um, some kind of tool uh, or some kind of platform where these shops can upload uh, their own items and, and try to sell it and, and really have a connection or a first touch point with the potential clients. Um, and we did that for one year, I think, something like that. But basically the feedback from the shops was that um, they saw this as an exter external website or an external tool and not their own website. So yeah. they were in their mind, it was like, okay, I'm doing work for somebody else or for another company and not for my own company, which was not really true, of course, because the, the goal was to really generate sales for them and, and to even drive traffic physically to the to the showroom because the client could reserve the item online and go to the to, to the physical store and just buy it there but um, we learned uh, obviously a lot from from that project uh, we got to know all the all the nice furniture shops and we got to see where they were uh, located exactly and where there was still uh, a lot of potential uh, but we also saw that obviously online there was still a lot of potential because all of these shops uh, they had no online presence and certainly not uh, in a web shop style um, so that's why we we started with lamp twist and we started with lamp specifically because uh, lamps are still pretty compact to send compared to uh, bigger tables or sofas. Um, so that's why we, we try to find a niche category um, within the interior scene. 
and uh, it became Lems. It's super interesting. It's such a, like I said, unconventional route to go down. But I know as well when I used to live in um, London and actually in different places, you, you walk past these brick and mortar retail places and they have super expensive, really beautiful like sofas and kitchens and lighting. And mm -hmm. I, I, always, I always think when I pass these stores, obviously there's people who go in, right? And they need to make like one sale every two days. But sure. how do people find out about stuff like this and get into it? It's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I always compare it a bit to the experience you have at a one, two star, three star restaurant, you know? And yeah. if you go there, everything is, is correct from going to the toilet, it's really nice, you know? And nowadays when you would go to their website, it's also part of the experience, let's say. But five or 10 years ago, it was not really like that. And it's it's all part of, of, of the experience. And when you would, when I would, like to go to a restaurant and I look at the website and it's not really containing the information that I want or not, or it's really ugly. I'm already tempted to maybe not, not go to that restaurant, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's for us, we saw the opportunity there and, um, we did. Interesting. So how quick were you to sort of prove the, um, like product market or concept of the business? Like, did you get sales straight away or was it a bit of a slog in the beginning? Did you ever yeah. feel it, oh, this is not going to take off or did you quickly find traction? Yeah, our vision from the start was a bit to compare, uh, no, sorry, not compare, combine um, well-known brands with emerging brands, uh, young designers and so on. Because also from the, the previous project, we saw that, a lot of the, the shops here in Belgium, they sell mostly the same brands. And so when, when a potential client would visit uh, five different stores, he always sees the same, uh, same brands passing by, the same items and so on. So we said, okay, that's a bit, that's a bit strange. It's not really what we want because we also want to be an, an inspiring platform or inspiring shop. Um, we want that people see something new. And uh, we actually we started directly with uh, offline and online um, showroom and uh, web shop. And we did a first fair with a very small stand of uh, 10, 15 square meter, um, where we highlighted a lot of our, of the, the lamps uh, of brands that there were not known at all, but that we found very cool were of new designers uh, even some people or some designers that were just graduated or even still studying you know and um, we just put it there on the fair where there were a lot of other big brands around and, and showrooms um, that were existing already since 50 years and uh, the feedback from the people there were was really amazing because they finally saw something something new something cool something that they they never saw before you know um, and, and with the feedback that we had there, we, we really believed in the concept that, uh, or we started to believe in the concept that we, we wanted to do. And, um, and yeah, from there we started off and certainly the first two, three years, it was not always as, as easy, but, um, yeah, we're, we're still growing. Good stuff. So you managed to, to get going in, in the end. So the. Most people we, we speak to on here, like, and I know we've, we've just been back and forth about this a little bit before we went live, but starts off with Shopify these days. You guys are on Presta Shop. What's been your experience working with Presta Shop? 
And obviously, I know you're sort of thinking about your next move at the moment. What made you decide to go with it in the beginning? Yeah. Uh, so here in Belgium, we have the, the challenge of the languages, um, yeah. which is uh, we, we speak French and Dutch um, and also uh, a lot of English, of course. Um, and, and our team is also a mix of French and Dutch people. I'm Dutch speaking myself. My two co-founders are French speaking. So we immediately said from the start, OK, let's do websites in, in three languages, um, which is very challenging in terms of marketing as well, because all of the, the, the Product descriptions need to be in the three languages. When you send out an email, you have to decide, okay, I can do it only in English or do we really make it uh, personal and, and do we do it in the language of the client? Um, but so, yeah, for that, I did the, the choice of process shop. Um, I really spent a lot of time thinking about it and doing an investigation. And back then, Shopify wasn't really the, the powerhouse yet that it is now and um, even nowadays it's not that yet so much focused on little language uh, the yeah. currency and so on so we face this challenge there with with um with shopify that uh, it was very difficult to handle these three languages and Presta shop which is a french company it was made made in paris so they were very focused on europe and our new york clients while yeah, Shopify is, he was mostly focused on US market. Um, so actually, uh, yeah, any, any e-commerce platform, it always has advantages, disadvantages, certainly. Um, but I'm very happy with, um, with what we could do with Presta shop until now. But as you said, uh, a bit, uh, in your question, um, we're also at a certain point where we maybe are at, the at a point where we need to look into the future and what is future-proof software. If we look also yeah. into the integration of all the tools that we use, like Clavio, um, like Channable for data feed management and so on, um, these kind of cool tools, they don't really use Presta Shop as a native integration anymore. So yeah. we are, yeah, as you said, we're looking now into what is more future-proof and so on. It's difficult, isn't it? Because as you said, even though the platform I'm sure is quite robust and serves a purpose, when everything is consolidated around one software, it's like you have to wait for the main software to be developed on. And then yeah. like, I will do press the shop in a year or two from now. And, you know, I see it with um, using Clavio as well. Like everything comes out first for Shopify. And then it's like, Okay, three years later, now we've got a Presta Shop integration. Yeah, exactly. Everyone has the luxury of and for for Clavio, it was even Presta Shop one point seven, I believe, and and yeah. we are still using the one point six. Um, obviously, we could upgrade from one point six to one point seven, but it also has a lot of uh, challenges uh, for ERP system, for example, that is is only on built on one point six. Uh, all the modules that we are already using on one point six need to be up upgraded. So in the end, maybe we will be at the same cost as as doing a re-platform. You know, so yeah. And what's the breakdown in sales at the moment? Because I know you you sell to France, right? Um, the Netherlands and obviously Belgium and the UK as well. What's the type of breakdown at the moment between all those territories? Yeah, I think um, the biggest market for us is, is the Netherlands. Around 25% of the turnover uh, goes to Netherlands. Then France just behind, let's say between 20, 25% also. And then we have Belgium, which is just under 20%. And then we have all uh, the rest of, of Europe, 
Um, we sell a lot in UK, a little bit less since Brexit, because now you guys have to pay importation costs and you're, you were never really used to that. So we had a lot of problems with it, actually. Uh, we can even put it in big on our checkout uh, that you have to pay import uh, cost. Um, but we still face a challenge that a lot of people from the UK, they don't really know about it. And then the, yeah. pack, the packet gets returned to us after two months. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, 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 uh, it's Netherlands, France, Belgium, um, the, the, true, the two languages that are also our main languages. So it's, it makes a lot of sense. But we also see that there is a huge difference uh, with the Netherlands and France compared to Belgium in terms of buying online. They are a lot more used to it. Um, yeah. It's anything technology related. You see that Netherlands is five to 10 years ahead of Belgium. Um, uh, when you when you compare it, so yeah, it it makes sense that these people are less um, scared to buy something online. We have an yeah. average order value of uh, three hundred eighty euros, which is around uh, I don't know in pounds exactly. I guess three fifty something like that. Uh, so it's pretty high, you know, uh, to and to buy it without seeing it, uh, without yeah. knowing who is Lamb Twist. But we we see that in Netherlands and France, they are less scared to really do that because they're already they're already used to do that for years while here since covid corona in belgium we're, we're more forced and forced to do that because the physical stores were were closed um, and now it's starting to get better and better people here in belgium buy are buying online but we're really um yeah, we, we really are people that still want, would like to see it, would like to feel it, what is the material, you know, things like that. I, it's it's such an interesting conversation. Actually, we work with some people who also sell in different territories. And one thing they found is that actually if they decrease the AOV on the first sale in certain countries, the the repeat purchase rate is, is higher. So okay. even if they're not necessarily super profitable on the first sale, I know the common... Um, sort of knowledge and recommendation is to increase it as much as possible, which I sort mm -hmm. of understand. But we've seen people go in with lower AOVs in certain territories where they may be averse to spending that much, increase the conversion rate, and also the repeat purchase rate from those cohorts of customers goes up significantly because they do de-risk the first purchase and then they try the product and they feel, like you said, confident they can buy again and again from this store little bit more difficult with you because you're selling lamps and not yeah. snacks or supplements but we'll get into that in a second quick uh quote costing yeah 380 euros aov is impressive so it sounds like you've got to do three times as much work compared to most people who just sell in the uk or the us with the language barrier but i know we mentioned a little bit about seo how did you um, gain traction in the beginning which marketing strategies got you going and what are you using today what does it look like mm -hmm. uh so yeah what i said just uh, a while ago is that our vision was always to combine um well-known brands with lesser known brands and obviously the well-known brands they have some kind of search volume behind them uh people know the brand or they they know a specific type of uh, of lamp that that brand is selling so there is already some search volume for these these brands and that's why these brands are also very important for us to to pull the the, the customer to our side and at the same time then maybe uh show them also some nice cool lamps 
he has never saw bef seen before. Um, and obviously, uh, things like Google Shopping, Google Ads uh, are, are very good channels for us, and certainly Google Shopping because it's very visual. Uh, people see immediately the image of the, the land that they want to buy, plus they can compare it immediately to our competitors, the, the price, I mean. Um, so that is working very well. Uh, text advertisements uh, were never really working or converting well for us because it could be about the, the category in general, like design lamps or design floor lamps and so on. And, and uh, the, the, the customer journey from that point is still very... Uh, broad and it could be that uh, we have right now I think 2,500 lamps on on our website, but it could be that it doesn't totally fit the style that the the, the customer is is looking for. Um, but um, in March from last year, I think I started to to test again with um, text advertisement together with the uh, channelable, which is uh, a data field tool basically um, so all our products are synchronized from PrestaShop to Channable and from there we can uh, with the data feeds we can go to marketplaces but you can also use it uh, to automize your advertisements on Google Ads for example and you can play a lot with the data and automize it a lot and I started to do text advertising again specifically uh, for brands um, and actually it works pretty well. Uh, it's not giving us the return on ad spends like Google Shopping, um, but um, it's 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 quite okay. Um, on Facebook, we are just doing retargeting because again, uh, for us, Facebook to do cold campaigns to people that don't know anything about Lamp Twist and we're, we immediately push a, a lamp of 500 euro or 200 euro, 300 yeah. euro. It's very difficult um so but retargeting for example it's 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 going it's going really well uh, a bit like um with uh, email marketing with Clavio. uh it's a very important channel for us i think it's responsible for around 20 percent of, of the turnover um so that's really huge and, and we will try to keep on improving that that's so interesting isn't it, it sounds like you've put a lot of emphasis on people who maybe in the marketplace already with direct search intent. Have you found anything work well for cold audiences and bringing like brand awareness? Because this must be, as you said, you've got a high AOV and you're still like a relatively small business, right? And like not everyone, it's not something you buy on an everyday basis lamp. So is there anything that worked well in that regard? You mean on, on the cold marketing, cold campaigns? Cold marketing, yeah. Not that much, not, not a lot. Uh, I tested a lot with Facebook marketing and uh, lookalike audiences based on, um, on the features yeah. that we were already having or based on uh, Google ads, uh, clickers. Uh, I did a Facebook uh, lookalike audience, but it was really very hard and, and certainly nowadays to, uh, to track it with um, all the, the privacy changes and so on. Um, for me, Facebook is really uh, a channel where there is still a huge potential um but where we should look into um a lot a lot more um where we can still maybe find a lot of uh find a lot of turnover but it's it's very it's very difficult uh, the the cost campaign for us <laughs> you think um because obviously a lot of the items in the store are high ends and fall under like luxury i suppose is there any way for lamp twist to become 
sort of like a lifestyle brand, you know, where you use influencers with really nice lighting. Have you experimented with anything like that? Um, we, we have been in, a lot of influencers contacted us actually, but of yeah. course, uh, influencer marketing is, is also something special and, uh, uh, it's, it's sometimes also not that easy to, to, to attract, uh, the return. Um, but, but next to lamps, for example, to, to increase your retention rate, I already also spoke uh, to you about that is that we, 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 we did some tests to um expand uh, our categories from only lamps to like small accessories like uh, small trays uh candle holders uh things like that blank even blankets because of a lot of the a lot of the brands that we are selling they also have this in their uh product yeah. cat the catalog and we said okay that's maybe cool certainly for um uh, things like uh to give as a gift christmas uh, Father's Day, Mother's Day, things like that. Um, and we can also do some email marketing about that to uh, our current, current client database. Um, and because for us, it was important to get people to, to, to buy, a, to do a second person, third person. And um, it, that was one of our biggest challenge actually, because as you say, a lamp, it's not something you buy every day and certainly not when you, when you have bought it or when you did the order for all the lighting points that you have in your house, if you're happy with it, obviously you will not replace them within a few months. So that's why we introduced this, this new uh, category on, on, on the website, just as a, it started out as a test. Yeah, to see if people would also like to buy these smaller kind of things and we could email them uh, about it um, to say still looking for the perfect gift, uh, something like yeah. that. And it's something that worked out pretty well, actually, uh, and we will keep on trying to expand that category, but obviously not with things like uh, chairs and tables, because then yeah. I think we're starting to lose uh, our focus a bit uh, with the land. Yeah. This is this is a very interesting topic, actually. Something I've spoke to uh, with a few people recently, as you said, when you work in these categories where generally people make one-time purchases, product diversification can be a really powerful way to increase that retention rate. So clearly you've got some initial results with that. Is, are you still going to stay niche or do you think in the future maybe you just become like a complete luxury furniture store. No, we will always try to, to stay niche and, and certainly because there is still so much to, yeah. to tell about lamps. Uh, I mean, it's still a technical product, meaning yeah. um, clients are asking a, a lot of questions about what kind of uh, color of, uh, of light does this give? Uh, is it enough to light my dining table you know things like that and it's it's very difficult also to explain that um online or just on the product page you know yeah so there is a lot of explanation to do about that and we we really strongly believe that um we thought we are also building a new showroom where we try to explain and give that experience to to our yeah. clients to explain more about lightning in in in, in general uh, because we, we find that there is a lack of information on, on the current market about that. So we still see that there is so much things to do about lamps. 
that we will never go into uh, to being a luxury brand at all. We will we will never go there. But I think that the the, the category that we have opened up online uh, with the, the, the small accessories can can certainly help to to maybe attract people uh, to to our workshop and and to see that oh they also have these nice little things that I can buy and not only lamps that are too expensive for me uh, right now you know so. Um, Really, uh, that's also something. If we were thinking about a, a new web, new website, new web shop, or a, a new showroom, there are so many things that we want to explain better and and learn to to people also, and give them really the experience of how we see light and so on. So, and that's really where also our expertise is, I think, uh, because of course I'm, I have an IT background, but I learned a lot about. Uh, lightning yeah. in general uh, during um, uh, during these seven years and um, I think that's something that we want to also to exchange with people and try to yeah, to to give it in them in, a, in an easy way as well because obviously if you're going to technical uh, it's 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 not as easy for people to to understand yeah no it's su super interesting so I look forward to you creating 2,500 videos of lighting demonstration. <laughs> yeah, <Everything>. that's <laughs> idea. <laughs> Little cut. Hey, Helen, good to see you watching along. She needs to get back to work, though. <laughs> uh, okay, so the products, and this is something we were talking about over, like, Black Friday, like, logistically, some of the items, obviously, can be reasonably sized. Some of them are big, but they're probably quite fragile as well i would imagine and mm -hmm. it, you need to be very careful it don't get damaged because i can sense the returns would really hurt your business if you have a high volume of them what type of challenges has there been and how have you overcome them in this regard yeah um yeah it's as you say i think we are selling right now around 100 different brands and uh, these 100 different brands, they all have a different kind of packaging. And yeah. one, one brand can be or can have a perfect packaging, um, well protected already. But nearly all the, the boxes are specifically made for that product or for that lab. So that's already a very good uh, starting base, let's say, because most of them they really because it's it's like a high value item, uh, it's 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 design, and they also think about the unboxing uh, process. So some of these are very well protected from the start. Um, but when we order them to the to the suppliers or to the brands, uh, we mostly receive them on a pallet because we, we order them in, in bulk or we order five of them and not just one. While most of the orders that we have online is just of about one item. So we need to, we need to ship it in, in just in a single, in a single box. So then depending on the destination, if it's from Belgium to Netherlands or to France, it, the, the, the road is, is not that long, uh, but depending on the, the destination and on the, the fragility of the lamp, we, we just try to double, double pack it with an extra outer box, um, or we, we try to protect it again ourselves. Obviously that's also taking some time from the logistic team plus uh, some expenses. 
can they be loved? But adding one euro or two euro for each box, for each carton box, in the end, if you have a lot of orders, it's it's also uh, taking yeah. a lot of margin, plus all the extra uh, protection paper or whatever that you put inside to 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 protect uh, the, the the box. Um, and it's true that we have some table lamps, for example, they are very small and uh, they are very well packed, but sometimes you also have floor lamps of one meter 50, two meters. Yeah. Uh, and there we have also the, 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 the problem that sometimes uh, certain carriers, they are not even accepting the, the box because of the, the, the limit in terms of size that they put. For example, uh, we have, um, there is some certain carriers where the maximum height is one meter 50. Yeah, like we have we have a uh, floor lamps of one meter seventy or two meters, and they just come already in in a, in a box that is two meter high. So we have to find in a, uh, another carrier like UPS or DHL who are more um, focused on these on these uh, higher uh, higher items. Um, but obviously, the the price is also more expensive to ship it to your client. So then you decide to, okay, I will adapt the, 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 the product page or the, the, in the checkout, I will adapt the price for the shipping just for that product. Yeah. But then you have to also start to, to think, but yeah, okay, but on the banner on top, it says free shipping from 75 euro, but it's not really true anymore if you buy yeah, this yeah, certain yeah. item, you know? Um, so it, it really depends on, on, on the product itself. Certain items are made of glass. Uh, others are made out of wood. Obviously, the one of glass is more fragile than the, the, the wooden lamp. So it, it, it depends, but we're lucky that a lot of products are already uh, protected pretty well from the start. There are certain brands uh, who, who are packaging it really <laughs> very bad, and but we know that, you know, and then we, we just protect it extra ourselves. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a big challenge. Certainly, when there is for us, there is not really any kind of border. I mean, we ship worldwide. Yeah, obviously, ninety ninety five percent of our turnover is happening in in Europe. But we still have from time to time some some requests from Asia, uh, Dubai, um, a bridge from everywhere, and and most of the time these are uh, not just one lamp, but. Yeah. multiple lamps and in that case we have to find a solution in terms of shipping but in this case we just make a make a manual quote for the for the shipment cost yeah no it is interesting because then i think we've worked with some people as well and actually uh, we've got a couple of staff who've worked with luxury children's clothing and they get rounds of orders from dubai or japan or china obviously for like thousands of pounds come in and i mean you're not going to say no to these orders yeah. right yeah. Take care of these people. So, uh, have you ever thought about going into uh, more brick and mortar retail locations in the future as well? Uh, you mean next to the to the new showroom that is already planned? Yeah. So just expanding the the store footprints all over Europe. Yeah, where I mean, with the new showroom that we're planning, we want to change our concept a bit of not just focusing very hard on selling, 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 like uh, you have a, a salesman there and uh, 
go with the catalogs, with the clients and so on. That's not really our style. As I said before, there we still think there is a huge challenge and a lot of things to explain about lighting in general. And we, we really see our new showroom a bit more like to have an experience. And we want to maybe go even a step further, like uh, that people come inside when we are not even there. So no, no vendor at all. They can come inside if it's 9 or 10 p.m. It doesn't even matter after they work and they can they can play with the digital screens and they can see the lamps and even explanation with video and so on. Uh, that's a bit our goal, but of course, to, to do that technically, there is some, some challenges, uh, which we are right now yeah, investigating. Um, but if that kind of concept is, is, is having uh, good feedback and if people really like it, then the goal is really to, to yeah, very fast to a second one and a third one. If it will be in Europe, I'm not sure, in Belgium for, for sure. But um, yeah, there is, Belgium is a very, very small country and with, with the languages we, we are actually, yeah, we have an advantage that we could expand easily to the Netherlands or France. It's also not, not, not that far away, but certainly with the language, it's not really uh, any issue. So it's certainly possible, but we have to first see if the, the concept that we want to start with the new showroom, if, it's if it will work out well or not. I suppose when we talk about like all these challenges you're facing, you can see why so many people just go into cosmetics or fashion and then start yeah. to round up because it's so much easier, all these issues. Yeah. No, it's certainly, and, and and we also started with the with the new category with the small accessories that we added. It's actually not technical products at all, so yeah. you just ship it, and it cannot. Most of these things even never break, you know. And people, yeah. people, they email us a lot, saying uh, my light is not working, or I have a dimmer but it's not dimming well, and it's still very technical products lamps, while the other. Uh, accessory things they never people will never ask some questions about it it's design and you either like it or not you know it's candle holder it's, it's easy products yeah. to sell you know um so that's was made me also think about okay these kind of things are a lot less complicated than and, and selling lamps but at the same time it's also cool challenge you know to to yeah. sell lamps to explain story because that's what we really like that storytelling yeah, uh, about the lamp as well. Who was the designer? How did he get up uh, with that idea to make this lamp? So, yeah. I suppose as well, It one of the good things about that is that if there's new people looking at the space, like, oh, it's quite easy to start a cosmetics brand or fashion. It's been done a lot of times. Whereas, as you said, all those unique challenges, you probably really have to be passionate about the, the lamps and the lighting. Otherwise, you're just going to give up because, as you said, right. uh, and it probably makes it easier for you to compete, I would imagine, in that regard. Yeah, no, sure. So final question, Robbie, before I let you go on with the rest of your day. What would you, I know you've already gave a lot of great advice on all these topics we've just covered, but if anyone new is entering the space, what would your advice be to them? <laughs> um i think for me the two yeah most important things are customer service and 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 logistics because right now we see that a lot of people uh they expect that 
they get their order very, very fast. Um, and in that regard, logistics is obviously very, very important. Um, and, and customer service, customer experience, um, because people are very fast to, to leave a very bad reviews around on, on Trustpilot or any, uh, any website, Facebook, uh, they spam on, on comments of uh, your Facebook posts and so on. Um, but for us, or, or at least from, from my experience, what I learned is really, uh, two years ago, we, we were looking for a logistic company to, to do everything from uh, sending the lamps to our clients to um, reception of all the all the orders that we do to our suppliers, uh, basically fulfillment company. Uh, we did we did that search two years ago because we thought okay we are we cannot handle this anymore we have to find an external company to do this for us. But then one year ago we saw that the, the invoice was getting too high. Um, we had a lot of customer service requests like, okay, uh, I bought two lamps, I only got one. Then we had to check back with the logistic uh, company to, to know, uh, to find out where is the where is the lost item, you know, all, all things like that. So we took back the logistics in, in our own, own hands. We do it again in the house. We hired some people uh, to, to, to be in the logistic team. And uh, since then, I really find that we have a lot less uh, co complaints from, from clients and it's a lot faster to, to solve these kind of problems that we had in the logistics. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, everybody should do it in-house, not at all, because obviously it's not for every, every company that should, should, should be doing that. And I'm sure that maybe in the UK there are a lot of uh, uh, companies, uh, fulfillment companies that can do this uh, very well. But here in Belgium, not a lot of uh, fulfillment companies are focused on e-commerce. And yeah. um, we have a lot of going in, going out, uh, a lot of transfers within one day. Uh, while most logistic companies here, they just work with containers or big shipments to to Asia and the whole the whole world basically, but not like us shipping one lamp to that client, shipping one lamp to there, shipping one lamp to there. So and we also have very a lot of uh, SKUs, for example. Uh, so for us, it made make made sense to take it back in house, um, and it was one of the yeah, the biggest things or the best things that we we have done uh, again also because logistics. And, and, and customer service almost go hand in hand, let's say, because a lot of the, the, the questions from uh, customer service is, when will I get my order? Or um, uh, I, the, the tracking is not moving, all things like that. So we always need to go back to logistics and, and interact with them if we would like to, uh, to have an answer on, on those questions. I think as well, when you, or if you ever move to Shopify in the future, you'll see there's a lot of automated solutions. So yeah. automated texts and emails that go out that notify the customer based on your shipping integration immediately, like where it's up to, how mm -hmm. long it's going to be to be with them. And yeah, a lot of these pains, customer headaches tend to disappear. I want to just finish quickly on this uh, question from Costin. So how do you deal with negative reviews? Uh, yeah, very good question. Um, 
I, I still look at them myself uh, personally because whenever there is a one or two star review, um, I get a notification in my mailbox and I try to I try to uh, see the case and and try to find out what what really happened or why this client is mad. And a lot a lot of times um, we are we already had a discussion with the client or saying okay instead of the three weeks that uh three weeks delivery time that was on the product page um it became maybe two months but it's just because the supplier uh has issues maybe sometimes to uh to to manufacture the the item or for whatever reason um i think it's very important to to reply to them and to explain the situation so other people can yeah, can certainly read about it also and try to understand also your point of view. Um, it, it's good. A lot of people also ask for compensation in, in whenever they, they had something bad happened. Obviously, it's not always possible to do that because um, it's not because the, 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 the manufacturer has uh, two months of delay that we get a compensation for that. You know, it's I mean, they don't do that um, on purpose. Uh, so in, in that case, we, we try to look a bit on, okay, how can we satisfy the, 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 the client? Um, but it's, it's, for me, it's very important to then, uh, react myself to get them to know that we are still a very small team, um, make them feel like we're human, you know, and not like yeah. a, a big team of, uh, thousands of people. Um, and to. Yeah, to just let him understand the situation and that this delay or because most of the negative reviews are about uh, the, de the delivery time, um, that this delay is in general, it's for every store. It's not only for Lamtwist that it's taking two months. It's for any other shop unless they have stock, of course, but uh, that's it's, it's, it's not happening a lot. Um, in our industry so it's it's two months of delay for any other shop as well and that's what i'm trying to to let people understand uh, when they leave a negative review sounds like just being honest and transparent yeah. with people is, is the best thing and i would agree I, 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 I reply to him like I would reply to uh, a friend you know uh, yeah. and uh, like a very direct approach uh, or even called them, not even emailing, but or I mean, at least replying to the negative review on 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 the platform where they left a review. But then also just calling to to see how he reacts, and and people really like that. That uh, you take the time to just take the, the, the phone and 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 explain in the situation, even if you already did by email, you just repeat it, you know, and 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 they really uh, appreciate it. Yeah, they just want touch points of affirmation, just letting them yeah. know that, like you said, you you understand their pain and you're going to solve it for them most importantly. And usually they calm down, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool, Robbie. Well, thank you very much for your time. Um, if anybody has any further questions, feel free to drop them on LinkedIn. Robbie, I'll give you a tag. So if anyone wants to reach out to Robbie personally, you can find them there. Sure. Otherwise, been a pleasure really appreciate your time thank you very much for joining us no problem thank you for the invite it was it was nice perfect mm -hmm.